Is it real? Is it actually Friday? Happy Friday, everyone. Hope your day is off to a good start. And I hope you have some great weekend plans in store. And if you can believe it, we are just... We're actually less than a week away from Thanksgiving. This week has gone by quickly, but this year, has it not gone by so rapidly? As we come to the end of yet another year, a lot of things to talk about during the course of the broadcast today. Coming up, we will delve into a story we have not talked about here, but the incident that has happened raising questions about police brutality. Uh, I want to make something clear on this broadcast because I am one who is not into all of the panic porn associated with issues we've seen that have gotten a lot of attention, issues raised by the BLM movement, which we have discussed the legitimacy and lack thereof of that organization and the whole message surrounding it being basically founded on a lie. The lie is we don't have a an extraordinary level of police violence against black folks. The idea that somehow blacks are being hunted, I don't embrace that. Having said that, there is no question that there are bad people in police departments all over the country, including right here in Mecklenburg County. And there are incidents where police have gone overboard and they've used excessive force and that should be dealt with appropriately. So I want to make it very clear. I do not take the position that the cops are always right because they are not. There are plenty of times I raise questions about things I see, just basic things, and I'll talk about this a little bit later on, lest I go into this right now prematurely. Also coming up, we'll talk about issues going on around the country, the ongoing concern about out-of-control migration and how it's impacting all of us. New York City impacted severely. We'll tell you what is happening there budget-wise because of these policies of this administration. Also coming up, we'll talk about 2024 new polling on the presidential contest, and it is not good news primarily for Mr. Magoo, Joe Biden himself. We'll talk about how bad it is for him, but also... One person in particular is getting a lot of attention. We will delve into that poll coming up a little bit later on. Also coming up, we'll address a subject that is very basic. The subject of faith over mere accumulation of information. This is one of the things that I think is one of the biggest challenges in Western society where we put a high value on information. Information's great. But for me, information must lead to transformation. Because if it doesn't, 
all is, it's just head knowledge. A really awesome post coming up during our Faith Focus Friday segment. You do not want to miss. I want to begin with what's right with the world. Generosity, kindness, expressions of hospitality. That's where we began this morning. And we begin very close to home in the sprawling metropolis of Salisbury, North Carolina, (laughs) where the president, the president of Livingstone College announced that the college has received a gift of $1 million from an anonymous donor. Dr. Anthony Davis, president of the college, says this contribution marks the largest individual donation from a non-alumnus in the college's history. A million dollars. Davis explaining the gift will provide a significant boost to the school's ongoing mission to educate, equip, and empower students to compete and contribute in a global context with confidence and competence. Davis expressing gratitude for what he described as an extraordinary act of philanthropy. This is the most significant, unrestricted individual gift the college has received from a non-alumni donor. I hope this will inspire others to support the mission, the vision, and upward trajectory and give to Livingstone College in the future. In his second year as president of Livingstone, Davis hopes the donation will serve as a catalyst for other donors to consider supporting Livingstone College philanthropically. Philanthropically is the way to say that. During homecoming 2023, Davis challenged alumni and friends to match the million and launched the really interesting campaign. Are you ready for the title for this campaign? Who Your Wit Campaign. <laughs> he said if a non-alumnus could do this for our alma mater, the least we can do as alumni and friends is to pull our resources and match the million. This allows the college to allocate the funds strategically to expand scholarship opportunities while addressing challenges related to campus infrastructure. So if you're interested... You can just go to livingstone.edu, livingstone.edu. But again, a lot of excitement about this contribution of $1 million, non-alumnus, which is pretty awesome to see this level of generosity. Speaking of such, I love to hear stories of strangers connecting. I think it's absolutely extraordinary. I'm going to wait till after the break to go into this story, but this is a story that really began years ago, and it continues. And our story is about how this is actually expanding, which is really cool. And part of what I like to do, I do this in my own life, is just encourage you to consider expanding your circle expanding your connections meeting new people welcoming new people to your table maybe neighbors especially if you are aware of neighbors in need and this is a time of year when a lot of people are more likely to think about this kind of thing but i like to do this year round i was just having a conversation with a very close friend of mine And we were discussing this, you know, we were a lot alike in this way that I'm not big into events 
and special days, you know, like my birthday or, you know, it's, it's a nice thing to get gifts and that sort of thing. But what really matters to me is presence in the here and now every day. How can we make this day special? And you don't have to wait until a birthday or Christmas or Valentine's Day. You share that love all the time. I'm not saying there's anything, anything wrong with, you know, people are just different. There are people, oh, that's a big deal. <laughs> the birthday is a big deal. I know people, I see people all the time in social media. They actually have birthday months. They have month of events surrounding your birthdays. You know, if that's their thing, go for it. But I prioritize things really all the time, in real time. And I hope making that space for somebody new is something that will uh, be a part of your life, if it isn't already. We'll talk about this really special story coming up. As always, your call is welcome, 704-570-1110, Back on the Vince Coakley Radio Program, 21 minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. And I told you that we would share about a very special a very special event that's taking place over the holiday season. And this is a continuation of a story you've probably heard about. Thanksgiving Grandma teams up with Airbnb to welcome strangers for the holiday. This is a U.S. news story. An Arizona woman who shared her Thanksgiving table seven years ago with a stranger she accidentally texted will be opening up her home again this year to two new strangers that's the cool angle of the story and how it's expanded this Arizona woman she shared her Thanksgiving table seven years ago with a stranger she accidentally texted her name is Wanda Dench teaming up with Airbnb to expand the festivities and the company said it will make a donation to the relief organization Feeding America Dench's tradition started back in 2016 with a mistaken text to Jamal Hinton. Remember that, teenager? She was trying to invite her grandson, but didn't realize he changed his phone number. (laughs) Hinton jokingly replied he'd like to come, and then said he was welcome. They forged a relationship that still holds strong to this day. Henson tweeted screenshots of their initial exchange and subsequent meetings. Since then, their continuing joint celebration, it's turned into a tradition. The social media users have come to expect every Thanksgiving. Dench has been dubbed Thanksgiving Grandma on the Internet. Airbnb guests can sign up for the chance to eat a catered early holiday dinner on November 20th with Dench, who's 66, Hinton, is now 24 years old. 24 years old. They will also get an overnight stay at Dench's new home in the north-central Arizona city of Prescott Valley. 
Hinton told USA Today, I said from the jump, our first Thanksgiving, that I always wanted to have more people join our Thanksgiving and be able to celebrate with us and have the amount of fun that we have together. The menu will include classics like turkey, mashed potatoes, along with Dinch's favorite Costco pumpkin pie. By the way, as an aside, I was talking to a friend of mine. Was it last week we were discussing this? And we were just craving blackberry pie. Man, this almost makes me emotional, as crazy as it sounds, because I think of my mom when she was uh, at a place to be able to do so. She was, uh, a number of times when I would come in, she would make a blackberry cobbler for me. Oh, my goodness. That was my favorite. So this friend of mine, last week, we were just talking about this, like, you know what I'm really craving is blackberry pie. We looked at each other like, no, you're kidding. So we did a search. I found some blackberry pies on Amazon. Those were okay. But I actually found a store that carries blackberry pie. So that's actually dangerous for both of us. But I digress. The entertainment for (laughs) the folks out in Arizona. Talking selfies, watching movies, playing board games. The booking charge on Airbnb to sign up for the dinner and overnight stay. A whopping $16, <laughs> corresponding with the year that Dench and Hinton met. Guests will have to pay for their own travel. Airbnb hasn't said how much it plans to donate to Feeding America. Dench says she hopes others are inspired to be similarly open to new friendships. That should be pretty cool to see people wanting to share a good experience and then open it up to strangers as well. And this is not all of the story. A movie about the unlikely friendship between Dench and Hinton is possibly in the works. So this is cool. And I always love this because here is an opportunity to expand something that started out very simply. Love is like that. It becomes contagious, doesn't it? And for that, I'm very thankful as we approach the holiday season still to come in the broadcast is kind of a preview a story that's been in the news locally for several days and i've not delved into it yet but we'll talk about it today and get your thoughts and this is the incident where questions of police brutality are being raised This was a drug arrest. Now, one of the things that is an issue here, really a couple, a number of issues, but it also goes back to the question about our drug policy and how we are approaching this particular issue. But really, the focus of attention on how to subdue someone with the least amount of force possible. Did we have an example here in the past few days of police brutality? We will delve into this particular question and get your thoughts as we continue our Friday broadcast. On the Vince Coakley radio program, You heard in the news a little more information about the story we'll talk about now. 
and this is getting a lot of attention. I did notice this when this first happened. And actually, I wanted to process this a little more and think about it before I even talked about it, because I, I think there's way too much inflammation in these kinds of stories. And unfortunately, very often, inflammation gets ahead of information. One of the things that I want to be careful about across the board, and this is not even embracing any particular perspective, the police perspective or victim perspective. This is approaching it from uh, just being as much as possible an objective listener and viewer. The Observer story on this talks about the fact that this incident involves a woman who was hit 17 times. 17 times. That's how many times the Charlotte Mecklenburg Police Department says Officer Vincent Fistoon hit Christina Pierre, who just finished her work shift. Seven knee strikes, ten closed fist strikes. The video circulated online, showed part of the arrest that happened on Monday. Pierre was on the ground with several officers around her, but this officer kept punching. Now, police say Pierre had punched an officer in the face before the camera rolled. She was told to stop resisting and that Pistone was intentional about where he hit her. He landed compliance strikes targeting a nerve in her thigh, according to the department. And an unnamed officer returned a strike to Pierre's face before the tussle. Community leaders would like to know when enough is enough. 17 is more than enough, according to a number of people in this situation. More than enough. Pierre and her partner and co-worker Anthony Lee clocked out from work at Bojangles near South Tryon Street in West Arrowood. Police say they were smoking marijuana at a bus stop. The officer stopped, engaged the two, stated they were under arrest. Pierre became combative, struck an officer in the face. Both individuals refused arrest and a struggle with officers ensued. At some point, an unnamed officer struck Pierre in the face once. Backup arrived. Police arrested Lee, found a concealed gun in his bag. Then we have the video captured by a bystander. With Pierre on the ground, police on top of her, a number of people nearby shouted for them to stop. As the officer punched her repeatedly, one bystander saying, you're going to kill her right on the ground. Officers carried her to a police car. Police charged Pierre with assault on a government official, resisting arrest, and simple possession of marijuana. They charged Lee with carrying a concealed weapon, resisting arrest, and simple possession of marijuana. Now, his tone is now on temporary assignment with the investigative division, according to the police department. Some are casting doubt on the department's version of events. At least one witness told WSOC she never saw Pierre hit an officer. This person identified as Donna. Not one time did I ever see her slap him, hit him, or anything of that nature. He balled his fist up, hit her square in the face. Will Adams, the founder of community group Team True Blue, told the Charlotte Observer he took Pierre to the hospital. 
providing pictures showing marks on her cheeks. CMPD put out a news release saying our ongoing investigation shows Ms. Pierre assaulting an officer by striking him multiple times in the face as she is resisting arrest. We can now confirm based on interviews and witness accounts that an officer in response to being physically assaulted returned a strike to Ms. Pierre's face one time. The strike occurred during the initial encounter at the bus stop with the responding officers prior to the struggle on the ground involving several other officers. It will likely take months for a more complete story to come out. CMPD has filed a petition for body camera footage to be released in North Carolina. That requires a court order. The police chief, Johnny Jennings, told reporters he thinks there needs to be a way to expedite the release of footage when it's in the public interest. The body cam footage, he views, he's viewed this, um, tells more than social media, according to the chief. There are a lot of people with concerns here. Miko McCarthy, Safe Coalition NC, saying, I'm just trying to figure out the justification for so many strikes. Again, 17. North Carolina law lets officers use force to effect an arrest. I think one of the questions I would have here, and I don't see this anywhere in the story, where's the taser? Do we not use these anymore? See, I... Let me just make something clear, because I, I want to go to the very basics of this, because it's something, and, and I think it needs to be said. The first thing to do is to avoid crime. Don't commit crimes. And in this case, there are laws, whether we like them or not, against use of marijuana. So there's a crime that's been committed here. And police have a legitimate purpose in making an arrest and following that through to its to its end. So that's not a question mark here. The violence to facilitate this, apparently some big questions. How much does it take to subdue this woman and get her into police custody? That's the question. Miko McCarthy, I'm just trying to figure out the justification for so many strikes. I understand. And I think people raise this question a number of times in incidents like this. And it goes to broader questions of police enforcement and... What are the limits for officers as they attempt to subdue someone? I'd love to get your thoughts, especially if you've watched this video. I saw it the first day. Uh, our phone number is 704-570-1110. What do you think about this? What's, how do we avoid coming to this place over and over again? Or is this just inevitable? We're going to have these kinds of things where questions are raised um video is not going to capture all of it now it is going to be interesting to see the video from the officers once that's actually released that will uh, allegedly ostensibly tell a more complete story so 
There's that. And while we discuss issues of police brutality, potentially here, another police department facing some big issues. We will talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. An issue, in fact, that's probably going to be faced across the country based on some policies going on with this administration. Right now, we will take some calls on this CMPD incident that occurred in this week. I want to get your thoughts especially if you've watched the video, beginning with Wade in Concord. Good morning, Wade, and welcome. Hey, sir, my name's Dr. Ness from Concord, North Carolina. I'm a retired uh, military police officer and a retired state trooper in the state of North Carolina. The problem yes, sir. is got in here in society, there's rules and regulations for everybody to follow, the police as well as the victims. Now, that shouldn't have happened yesterday. It's for a simple reason, you got two thugs out there violating the law, the police try to make apprehension, there's a fight ensues, and now the police is trying to subdue them, and now everybody's against the police officers. Charlotte, North Carolina is just off the chart in crime. I would hate to be a police officer in Charlotte today. I feel sorry for those folks. So and the question I would raise to you, Wade, is there a limit at all? Is there a limit to what police officers can do to subdue somebody? Is there a, is there any limit? It's uh, apply such force as necessary to subdue the subject. Uh, from all I keep hearing, he kept trying to apply a, a punch to her, to her knee or her leg, and they failed to comply. And, and you know, it just gets out of hand, and everybody gets in their cameras. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Every day I turn the news on, you got bus drivers doing drugs, violent crime, and everybody wants help. You know, it's sad. Yeah, I understand where you're coming from, uh, Wade. I very much appreciate your call and your perspective. Let's go out to Scott in Fort Mill. Good morning, Scott. Hey, Vince. Thanks for taking my call. Love your faith-based uh, perspective on things. Really align with it. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thank you. Yes, sir. My point is, two things. Why has nobody mentioned the fact that someone had a gun while it worked at Bojangles? And possibly. And then also, why is there no videos of people asking the person to just comply and quit resisting? Where are those cries to the subject? And then it all would be over. That's a that's an interesting point. And I see one of the questions that I immediately think of these folks. I've never touched and some people may be shocked by this. I have never touched marijuana. I have no idea what the impact is. I know it affects people in different ways. I don't know. Is somebody just is this part of the impact of drugs? You just don't care and you're just at a place where you're out of control, I don't know. I mean, it's but I your point is a good one because there that's one of the first things that I'd be telling somebody. You know, if if it's somebody, if especially if it's somebody I knew, I would be telling them stop. You need to just leave this alone and that's go. What the caller's and, point was yes that the amount of force is totally related to the amount of resistance. Yeah, I. It's it's one of those things that you 
if you're continuing to resist, you're asking for additional uh, force to be brought to bear, right? Isn't isn't right. that it's fair to expect that? Anyone that's going to express a strong opinion should have to put on a blue suit and ride along and attempt to do the job that those men and women do. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying, Scott. Uh, We'll very much appreciate your call. By the way, uh, I've done that before, and uh, it's quite an experience. The other thing, I have a number of friends who are police officers, and I hear the stories. Uh, One in particular I can think about who uh, he told me about all the things that happened. One of the worst things, going to domestic violence calls and finding yourself in a position where you could end up on the receiving end of people absolutely out of control. And police are doing this every day. And fortunately, we're not hearing stories about uh, violence happening there. But there's so much, and and I've said before, so much, especially the good, solid, reputable police officers do, that doesn't get attention. Let's go out to Ed. Uh, Have about a minute here. Ed, what are your thoughts here in Charlotte? Uh, Just want to express my concern. I'm from a law enforcement family, and that I respect police officers 100%. They have the toughest job here in America outside of our military protecting but it's just speaking on the topic of the case with the officer that struck the young lady on the ground 17 times I didn't see the video and just hearing the story I already knew she was black and if I'm wrong I hang up the phone I'll make a comment but I could guarantee you she was black guarantee and like I said if I'm wrong with that but police officers approach uh, black people uh, a little bit more differently than they approach white people. When you're approaching white people, they practice CPR, which is courtesy, professional respect. When you're approaching, approaching black people, look, they anticipating violence, they're looking to be violent, and their professionalism as a police officer goes out the window. Their hand is on a gun, or they taser, and they're ready for violence. And that should not be out there. Yet another caller that also spoke about complying, even when you comply, because the color of your skin, if the officer still brings aggression towards you. And I, I would be quick to point out this does not always happen. That there are times I'm sure there's this concern has been expressed. Uh, uh, we've not delved into the racial potential racial overtones of this kind of thing. Uh, appreciate your call there, Ed. Um, the unfortunate thing is this is like a I don't know how I would characterize this. This is. Uh, something we have conversations about over and over again, whether it's here in the local community or elsewhere. It's it's kind of like a discussion about gun control. And most of the time, there's no real resolution. That's the way this typically happens. Much more as we continue the Vince Coakley radio program. Coming up, we have Faith Focus Friday. Also, we will deal with what's happening in another city with police departments and it's related to immigration issues that much more on the vince coakley radio program news is next
Back on the Vince Coakley radio program. And there are some still wanting to talk about this incident involving the police officer. Involved violence. Last Monday, video has been seen by a lot of people. It's gone viral, understandably. And ongoing discussions about what level, what level of restraint ought to be shown in incidents like this. Or how far should officers go to subdue someone? Let's go out to a call from James in Belmont. Good morning, James. Welcome. Good morning, Vince. Uh, God bless. Uh, thanks for getting me on the on the call. Um, first, I just want to remind people that a police officer doesn't go into work expecting to get punched in the face every day. It's not in the job description. And you know, where I work, if an, if if a coworker punched me in the face, they'd lose their job immediately. So let's not forget it's a big deal. And and for you know, I'm 59 years old. I haven't been punched in the face since middle school. So it's not an everyday occurrence. And understand an officer shouldn't be subjected to that. And you hear some people crying foul that, oh, it was just a marijuana arrest. Well, exactly. And until the person being arrested made it a felony by assaulting a police officer. Now it's serious. <laughs> kind of stupid, so isn't don't, it? So don't, it is completely stupid. And I think it should be required uh, a, re- a required view for this person who got arrested to watch Chris Rock's video. You know which one I'm talking about. Oh, I'm yes. I, I love that video. I should play that on this program. It is. You know. You know, by the way, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what, it, what the video is called. How not to get your ass kicked by the cops. That's exactly. what the video is. Everyone listening should go search it on YouTube. It's hilarious. And but it also I, should be required for... For a lot of these idiots who think it's just okay to resist arrest when you're breaking the law, you know that that could have ended this. We couldn't be, we could very easily not be having this conversation. See, the person would have said, "All right, yeah, cuff me." James, this goes <laughs> to the heart of what one of the things, and and you're you're causing some things to connect for me right now because I've been thinking about things related to this for a long time. All of us need to learn. Methods of reconciliation and de-escalation. All of us. This is one of the things that's really missing in our society. And I I see this all the time. And and I'm talking basic stuff. And I'm, I'm not even talking about violence. I'm talking about relationships. Where I see... I Have you ever been out somewhere and you hear people arguing on the phone? They have their phone on speaker. And they're arguing, and you, you unfortunately, are subjected to listening to the stupidity of both people who are having this conversation on the phone that they need to be having in person. And someone, you know, what it requires, James, is for one person to humble themselves and recognize, I may not see this whole thing correctly. And I need yeah. to humble myself, and I need to get myself in line keep myself in line, govern myself correctly. That's where this starts. And when you... I'm a fan of Jordan Peterson, who who also... Oh, goodness. ...quotes is that every every man should be dangerous, but in complete control. Oh, I I love that. For the police officers listening out there, I'm sick of you guys being the victim of a lot of this rhetoric. And and for for the very few that cross the line, they're dealt with. They lose their jobs, or they do jail time, and and there's there's a process set up to deal with that. But I'm one of those guys that if I see a cop being assaulted, I'm jumping on the pile. I'm sick of this crap, and we all need to take responsibility for safety in our own communities. I hear you, James. Hey, very much appreciate your call. 
enjoyable conversation. And I see, and I'm not a person, and and I think you're hearing this and what I'm saying here. This isn't all of, all of the above thing. Everybody, the first place every single one of us need to look is in the mirror. If we are involved, and that's the key thing. Now, here's the other thing I need. To, I really need to emphasize about us, all of us bystanders. We were not there, so all of us need to take a breath and exercise some humility and recognize the fact that we were not there. We did not see the entire thing, and at the very base of this is something between a couple of individuals and police. And my primary concern is that that is resolved as it should be. All of the bystanders, at the end of the day, in many ways, our perspective really doesn't matter. Now, I know there are people who are going to get worked up. Well, we're a part of the community. Blah, 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 blah. No, I'm saying this is part of our problem. We end up expanding things between several people or two people, and it becomes a broader issue. We need to learn how to localize and keep localized problems. I, I, this is one of the things I learned some really good materials on conflict resolution, and it's, it's totally missing me now. But the idea behind this is to keep this between the people it's between. And what we, unfortunately, in many of these situations do, we broaden this. And it, did you hear the perspective before? You know, I, the news break with a caller, you know, has a, a, an assumption that police in general are anti-black and that they are, all of them in general, police departments have a bent toward being more violent toward police officers. This is where we get into trouble. We start, and, and, and the thing is... We would not, as black people, want people to characterize all of us in that way. We generalize, but we don't want to be generalized ourselves. So I think we need to be very careful when we take positions like this. Well, the cops are this, the cops are that. White people. I mean, the same kind of thing happens. You know, generalize about races. White people do this. Black people do that. We've got to be very, very careful about this. Doug, take it away, morning, Doug. you got about a minute. Well. Yeah, i got about a minute, sir. Okay. Well, I don't know if I can do this or not. Um, as of December 20th, 2018, the federal farm bill legalized 99.3% of all cannabis on the market as industrial hemp. In all likelihood, the so-called marijuana that was being smoked was 100% legal. Only 0.7% of the marijuana that's out there now is actually considered marijuana under federal law. Federal law trumps local and state law, and all these police departments across the country now are having to retrain their officers not to simply take someone down for smoking marijuana because in all likelihood it is not pot. So what is it? It is, under federal law, classified as industrial hemp. This, if, if you can hold me over the break, I'd be glad to explain this to you, because I just uh, this, gave a lecture on this about a month ago. We will have a conversation about this for sure. Uh, hold on. Actually, um, yeah, hold on the line, because I'd like to get some information from you on this. 
because I, I think this is something to delve into in the future. If you're on the line right now, and I'm just saying right now, we'll get to your calls here because um, I want to move on to some other things to talk about. But be prepared to provide very concise perspective, and we will allow you to do that coming up after the break. Our phone number is 704-570-1110. Faith Focus Friday coming up and much more. Before we go to Faith Focus Friday, in my generosity, we'll take one more call on this subject uh, of... The officer involved violence earlier in the week. And this one from Steve. You got about a minute, Steve. Hey, Vince. How are you this morning? All right, sir. Good. Yeah, I met you at the News and Brews, the first one they did. And uh, you awesome. were such a blessing. You stood there and talked to me for 10 minutes and were never in a hurry. And I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you. Quick, I know you haven't given me much time, but I want to look at this from a different angle. One of my son-in-laws is a Charlotte police officer. Cool. And we need to take a consideration to the to the mental and emotional and physical uh, stuff that goes on in these guys' heads ever since the Obama days, when Obama started slamming our police departments. And uh, these guys have been beat up for decades now. And and going back to, to, you remember the riot we had in Charlotte here? Oh, yes. Yeah. Do you remember that there was a man killed in that riot? Yes, I remember that. Do you know there wasn't any real talk about that? Not a lot. No, there wasn't. And look at what our police officers, Mr. Putney and Ms. Roberts, put them through, standing out there all, all decked out in their stuff with their shields being thrown at, spit upon, cursed at, burning their police cars. Nothing was allowed to be done by Pitney and Roberts. As far as I'm concerned, those two people need to be charged with murder for that man that died. What they did was despicable to our police officers. Our judges let them right back out on the street. Merriweather's not doing his job. Let's take a look at what these people are under every day out there when their life is on the line. Yep, I fully understand the perspective you've offered here, and I think there are plenty of others who have expressed the same concern. This is a long-term issue. Uh, thanks for your call there, Steve, and look forward to hearing from you again sometime. Uh, again, I, as, as I just kind of wrap up this particular conversation, this requires humility from, from us all, that we don't have all the answers, that we first and foremost keep ourselves under control no matter what the circumstance and if there are issues beyond that that we figure out ways ongoing ways to promote reconciliation and de-escalation those are the skills and we may not even be involved in a an incident with police i hope it never happens but we need these skills every single day in our workplaces, in our home lives, neighborhoods, and frankly, I'm I'm very concerned about the future and what I see and the attitudes that I see. <laughs> and it's not just confined to any particular group. I think that's important to understand that we are, let's just say we are 
probably more susceptible to crossing a line here than we realize. Let's first go to Faith Focus Friday. And this is actually very simple. Then I'm going to touch on something that's going to be very sensitive for a lot of people. Steve Crosby, if we honor Scripture, if we apply ourselves to regular disciplined study of Scripture, we must remember something critical. If you take nothing else from this program, I hope you take this. Here's the line. It is faith. And I love the way Steve Crosby defines faith. Relational trust. Especially fidelity and perseverance under pressure. Not knowledge that bonds the creature to the creator. The redeemed to the redeemer. And maintains proper dependency for life. I'm going to repeat that again. It is faith. And if you've never heard a good definition of faith, this would be it. Faith is relational trust. It's not just believing. I mean, if I, that word is probably one of the most abused words in the English language. True faith is relational trust, fidelity, perseverance under pressure. Not knowledge that bonds the creature to the creator, the redeemed to the redeemer, and maintains proper dependency for life. If we miss this, we will unknowingly slide into Gnosticism like greased lightning. Add some crusading fervor to defend the Bible, and we will be miserable, misguided zealots. Little vending machines with no off button pumping out product no one is interested in buying. Boy, does this not describe where we are. I, this is one of the things I, I, I want you to understand I hear most commonly from people. There are a lot of people who desperately want to experience authenticity. They don't want to hear talking Bibles. I love, I think it's Paul who wrote this. You are our epistle, written and read of all men. So the real evidence is us walking this out in a way that we embody Christ himself in the way we live. Not just go around touting Bible verses and being moralists. On this subject, I'm going to share something that I might have even ignored some time ago, but I, particularly as I get older and the people that I encounter and the just so much that I see out there, it's something that has to be addressed. It's a story about a pastor who had a secret. And this pastor is now dead. I'm going to tell you how we went from secret to dead in this story. Coming up. And I'll be very intrigued to get your thoughts. Tell you what, I'm going to take a deep breath 
Before I share this story, because, you know, like so many things that people have opinions on, we have a lot of polarization in the country. A lot of anger, division. And at the end of the day, I think sometimes we forget at the base of this are human beings. You're a human being. I'm a human being. And I think sometimes we forget this. And stories become more important than people. I can certainly say that for my business. AP has this story, and I'm trying to remember when this came out. November 9th is the date. This is last week. I kind of held this over. A pastor's suicide brings grief, warnings of the dangers of outing amid erosion of LGBTQ plus rights. As you know, I'm not a fan of the alphabet mafia agenda. I'm not. What I want to make very clear, though, is I'm very much for respecting individuals. And you will find at the very core, and I've, this is not inconsistent, this is what I've been saying for years. My views are largely libertarian. You live your life the way you see fit, even though I may disagree with it. I have the right to speak about it. But at the end of the day, I'm very much a live and let live person. Let me tell you what happened in Smith Station, Alabama. After the 2019 suicide of a local teenager, small-town mayor and pastor F.L. Bubba Copeland helped students place roadside signs in his Alabama community to try to reach others who might be hurting. You're worthy of love. Don't give up. You matter. You matter. Isn't this a wonderful message to communicate to people? Especially after experiencing such grief. Those were the same messages friends said they tried to get through to Copeland before he took his own life along one of those country roads two days after a conservative news site exposed social media posts where he appeared in women's clothing, a wig, and makeup. Now let me pause just for a moment and tell you, <laughs> I'm not here to advocate or defend a guy dressing up like a woman. I'm not interested in drag shows. But if this is what somebody wants to do, go for it. Hope you have a fun time. The disclosure bombarded Copeland, 49, with online ridicule and his death, according to experts, underscores the dangers of outing people in error, an era that has seen the erosion of LGBT... Q plus rights as states across the country introduced legislation based on sexual orientation and gender identity. Let me just say here, I'm not interested in anybody's agenda because that's that to me is not what this is about. It really isn't. It's not about rights. And I think the sooner we move this conversation away from that, I think we'll all be better off. Copeland's friends said they hope it prompts a wave of self-examination about how we treat others. Yes, that I would underscore in this article. That's the most important line in the article. Larry DiChiara, 
A former school superintendent who knew Copeland from when he served on a county school board wrote in a pointed Facebook post, I just want to ask you people who thought it humorous to publicly publicly ridicule him, are you happy now? What crime did he commit? Copeland, the mayor of Smith Station, a city of 5300 near the Georgia border, ran a small grocery store and was pastor at First Baptist Church in nearby Phoenix City where sign proclaims to passerby, Jesus loves you, all are welcome. His public social media presence details baptisms, family gatherings, homecoming parades, and sales at his country store. State Representative Jeremy Gray, a legislator from nearby Opelika, said Copeland has been a steadfast presence after a 2019 tornado devastated rural sections of the county, killing more than 20 people. Copeland was photographed with then-President Donald Trump when he toured the area. But Copeland's private online life became public November 1st, when a conservative news blog posted the first of several items describing posts he made using an alias on Instagram and Reddit as a transgender curvy girl with photos of him wearing women's clothing and makeup. Goodness. After the disclosure, the state Baptist organization said it was aware of allegations of unbiblical behavior involving the pastor. And a nationally syndicated radio show said Copeland should be ashamed because the Bible teaches it's an abomination for a man to dress in women's clothing. If you hear me using a sarcastic voice, it's because it is a sarcastic voice. An additional post, November 3rd, the same day, Copeland killed himself. This post accused him of using the names and photos of local residents, including a minor without permission in posts, including the real name of a local businesswoman in a fictional story about a a man who develops a deadly obsession with taking over her identity. Copeland told the news site he donned women's clothing as a way to release stress, but was not transgender. He stood before his congregation November 1st to apologize and said the photos taken in the privacy of his own home were an attempted humor. This will not cause my life to change. This will not waver my devotion to my family, to serving my city, to serving my church. Copeland, a father, husband, stepfather, said this in the live streamed service. Lee County Sheriff Jay Jones said at the time of the suicide, deputies were attempting a welfare check on Copeland because of concerns he might harm himself. Friends said Copeland acknowledged he was struggling in the days before his death. Duciara said he reached out to Copeland by text last Thursday, and the mayor responded, it's been some very dark days. The story came out. It was already painful and hurtful just to see it and know that this is going to cause a lot of grief for Bubba and his family. But as I read what was out there, it just was getting progressively worse. And I just saw some real ugliness in people and their comments. Jack Drescher, a clinical professor of psychiatry at Columbia University and the author of Psychoanalytic Therapy and the Gay Man, said outing can be an act of violence. And in this case, it precipitated a violent response. See, I I would just say to Mr. Drescher, see, this is where I am. There's so many uh, there's so many angles of this story. I'm very concerned when we're starting to use words like violence to describe nonviolence. Okay, I, I just think this is that's violence to the English language. But I I get what he's trying to say. 
This really is catastrophic for somebody like this guy. Dresser said people can have reasons to keep sexual or gender identities and behaviors like cross-dressing secret because they don't feel like they would be accepted. It was probably a great source of shame and embarrassment to be outed like that. I'm sure it was. Chad Peacock, former Auburn resident, said Copeland was one of the few elected officials to show support for a local pride event he organized. He said he believed the anti-LGBTQ climate in the state bears some responsibility for Copeland's suicide. You have to fit the box. You can be who you are, but you should be ashamed of who you are if you're different. Peacock saying of this atmosphere. I'm going to share a little more about this story, and I'm, I do welcome your thoughts. My point about this comes down to one of humanity. And yes, I dare say it. What do you think Jesus would have done in this story? Would have been what would have been his role in this story? Would there be a story? See, there's a really big question. Here in the final stretch on Friday, I didn't. You know, our discussion earlier about the officer-involved violence uh, took a little longer than I expected. I didn't Well, I don't apologize for going here at the end of this broadcast. In this story that I've shared, I don't want to share the rest of this. And a couple of people have weighed in on social media with some really, really uh, appropriate comments. I'm telling you about the story of this man who was essentially outed by a conservative group because he was cross-dressing online. From what I can see, what I'm observing here, this was, that was it. Alabama lawmakers have imposed bans on transgender women playing on female sports teams in schools and colleges and approved a ban now in litigation on treating transgender minors with gender-affirming hormones or puberty blockers. Let me just tell you, what I have said and my position on this does not change. They are conflating. This, this is where this article goes astray. When it's talking about humanity, that's one thing. When it goes into advocacy, which so much, this is the Associated Press, by the way, because I do believe so-called transgender women should not be playing on female sports teams. We're talking about biological men. See, this is where, this is where my libertarian views, well, they're really consistent because what you're doing is you're violating the rights of other people to compete against other biological females. This is across the line. And this idea of so-called gender-affirming care, this is getting rejected in Britain right now. I call it gender-rejecting care. I can affirm people without affirming their nonsense. I can love people without loving their nonsense. The state in 2019 changed the process for obtaining a marriage license because several probate judges has refused to issue them after the Supreme Court decision allowing same-sex couples to marry. Sam Lau, vice president of communications for the Alphabet Mafia Group, the Human Rights Campaign, that's what I call it, 
The unrelenting anti-gay LGBTQ plus rhetoric coming from the state legislature houses and high profile politicians has real life consequences in the form of online and in-person bullying, harassment and violence. Can we just tell people don't do bullying, harassment and violence? I can take a position on these things without being nasty, without being ugly. This is the message that I'm trying to communicate that we get back to our humanity. I can disagree with your behavior and not be an ass towards you. What these folks are trying to do, this is advocacy. They're basically trying to hold emotional extortion over us and say, look, if you don't behave this certain way and affirm everybody and their weird behavior, then you're responsible for them killing themselves. No, that is not the message. The message is we love, period. We engage people lovingly. We can disagree and we can have conversations where we disagree. But at the end of the day, we don't engage in nasty behavior toward people and mock people. Just because they disagree. I'm not talking about political stuff. I'm not talking about, yes, I make fun of Mr. Magoo. But at the end of the day, you also hear me talk about, I'm concerned about this man in the White House who needs medical attention. He needs care. He needs to be at home. As a human being, I still respect the man and care for him and would not wish harm on him in any way. This story and what I hope to communicate out of this. Let's make sure that even in our moral positions, we do not forget to love what this man needed from his religious association more than anything else was love. And at the end of the day, maybe he was going to do what he was going to do anyway once this came out. But I have to wonder whether what really might have made the difference is not from what happened outside in the world, but those folks in the alleged conservative, even, dare I say it, Christian community. Some great posts here on social media from Jeff, first saying, I believe Jesus would say to that pastor what he said to the woman at the well. He would ask where the accusers went. And then, no condemnation of her, but to go and sin no more. Very good. I like it. Chris writing in, let him who has not sinned cast the first stone. We all have our own secret sexual desires, whether we act on them or not. Hashtag, I'm just saying. Wow. Chris, what do you think? We can talk more about this in the future. I'm sure it raised some eyebrows. I hope so. More than anything, I hope it stirs our hearts to be empathetic and caring toward everybody. Let's do that this weekend while we unplug, relax, and Lord willing, we'll talk to you next week. Have a great weekend. God bless.